0: It's only entertainment.
1: Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast.
2: We are joined now by Alex Halperin, who is the editor and publisher of Weed Week. Alex, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. You know, it's a it's a dynamic industry out here. We've just been having a great time talking about all the different things that have been happening, both historically and current too. Explain to our listeners uh, who you are and what's going on and important in your world.
0: So, um, well, my name is Alex Hopper, and I'm a journalist. I've been covering the industry for about seven years now, and I write a newsletter called Weed Week. Um, and we just launched a new edition focused on the California market. So I think it's it's a it's a paid newsletter, but I think it's really the only publication focused on the world's largest cannabis market for the people who make money in it. Um, so folks can check that out at weedweek.com. Um, so over on the left coast, this week um, the. Uh, State Department of Cannabis Control is taking recommendations from the industry for how to right the ship. As I'm sure most of your listeners know, um, things are really tough out here for businesses between the taxes and the regulations and the illegal market and various crime waves and various other issues. It's very hard to make a buck. So um, a group, uh, an industry group convened by a canatech company called Meadow put together some recommendations for what the state can do as it goes through its regulatory process. And I also took a look at um, a, a company called Ease, which is one of the biggest retailers in California. And now with a merger with a company called Green Dragon, which was based in Colorado, they now have a presence in Colorado, Florida, California. And I believe they are operating in Michigan or, and will soon. Um, what my story noted this week is that Ease used to be one of the most amenable to organized labor of all um, operators in California. And since the merger, its tone has changed a lot. It seems to have engaged a firm called Fisher Phillips, which is sort of a uh, union avoidance law firm. And So, and they're having, they're supposed to have a collective bargaining agreement with their San Francisco office on Monday. Um, So we'll see how that goes.
2: Unionization of workers is very, uh, very uh, relative, relevant rather as a, as a news topic. We just had some unionized workers here in Michigan as well. Uh, Other California places have unionized some of their workforce, have they not? Yeah,
0: some, some have. um, And the UFCW is is sort of the main cannabis union out here. I understand in the Midwest um, there's some competition from the Teamsters,
2: United Food and Commercial Workers Union, UFCW, right? Yeah. Yep. So, and in California, of course, uh, wages are an issue. Uh, the California sure. marketplace certainly has been known for. Uh, Wow, a lot of dysfunction. And some of the complaints that we hear from some of the workers are about not being adequately paid while their bosses are rolling in cash.
0: Is that really the case? Or is that just what we hear on social media? Well, you know, we we don't quite know who's who's making what. But I mean, there's certainly a case at all companies that bosses are making more than their employees. And we don't we don't quite know what the ratio is. But um, so I I was told, for example, by one driver in San Francisco that they'd been with the company for quite a few years and they were still making $18 an hour. Um, San Francisco is a pretty expensive place to live. So, you know, doesn't get you that far. And w- another worker told me the company was trying to uh, take back some of the health benefits the, company, the employees received.
2: It certainly seems like with a big multi-state operator like Ease, they'd have enough money to be able to to work out everybody's issue. Josh, you're in, you're in just just a little bit down the coastline there from California. Are you seeing similar issues in your particular state?
1: Yes, yeah, very similar. The robberies, uh, all of the issues California, is, you know, has. They always have everything first, and then we copy them eventually um uh, we we did start with unions first though so one of my most popular episodes on the talking hedge podcast was uh, one of my most boring but, but apparently people uh, really liked the the conversation about unionizing the have a heart dispensary that happened a few years ago uh we we had that conversation terrible audio too and yet people are still listening to it so there you go but alex 35 million went into ease and yet they weren't able to do anything for a long time. Do you have any backstory about, because I'm, I'm not a programmer, but I would think it would be really easy to, to set up uh, a delivery service, especially backed by Snoop Dogg. Why did they not succeed as quickly? You would think that that delivery and then utilizing COVID would happen quickly and it just didn't pan out. Do you, you got any uh, opinions on what happened with that?
0: Well, I actually had a conversation with, uh, Alex Levine, who's with Green Dragon, which has now merged with Ease, about this in November, and and he said, first of all, it's super competitive. Um, in LA, where I am now, I can I'm getting text messages every day from four or five different delivery services, and a lot of you know the food delivery services like DoorDash, Uber Eats, etc. They benefit from certain financial advantages that um, that cannabis companies don't have access to. For, for example, you can't lease vehicles. Um, so you know, as we know in, in so many aspects of the industry, there are just unknown complications, and deliveries is a tough business anyway, from what I hear yep. Ease in
2: Michigan, of course, offers a delivery service, but many of our individual retail centers offer their own delivery service, too. So although they were sort of unique when they first hit the marketplace, uh, that's become a rather jumbled market at this point, too. Any idea if if they're planning on diversifying into solid brick-and-mortar retail stores
0: anywhere? I think they are, to some extent. And Green Dragon, which they just merged with, that's what they specialized in in Colorado. So I think sort of the one of the ideas of the merger is sort of ease brings its delivery expertise to Green Dragon, and Green Dragon uh, helps with brick and mortar. You
2: know, one of the things that's unique about the California situation is that you have concerns that others in the United States don't have, like wildfires, or, you know, the Department of Environment coming into saying that someone's taking wastewater uh, what's California's current situation in regards to some of the, you know, unregistered and illegal grow operations that might be stripping some of the environmental needs that we have? Yeah,
0: well, I mean, it, it's a huge problem. They they say that the illegal market in California is still basically twice as large as the legal market. And the legal market is the biggest in the country at about $5 billion. Um, so there are... I, I'm in LA, in the sort of inland empire east of here. There are vast illegal grows, and you know it's basically a desert, and they they're sucking up all the water. There are various issues with with chemical spills and um, and water water in particular in in other areas as well. And it's a challenge for the environment. It's a challenge for legal businesses because these the illegal businesses they're of course not paying, paying taxes. They're not paying the sorts of things they need to pay to to be compliant so they can undersell the folks who are trying to do do things the right way and with the taxes people are paying you know 30 35 percent that that makes a big difference
2: so instead of underselling let's talk about overselling and talk about celebrity cannabis brands it seems as if you're in la so it seems as if every every minor star every minor demigod in the pantheon wants to launch their own uh their own cannabis line of products itself. And it seems like a lot of them get their proof or their proving grounds, rather, is California itself. Talk a little bit about this current trend that we see among celebrities to, to grab some green, literally.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, so some seem to be doing really well. And I'm not I'm not really an expert. Like Mike Tyson's brand seems to be catching on and, and going to several states. And of course, they had the the ear gummies, which was of <laughs> I guess you have to be about my age to remember that. And but but uh, he just partnered with the the business operation of Ric Flair, who was a former sort of wrestling star. And I don't know. There aren't any there isn't anyone in my circles who's really pining for Ric Flair cannabis. But, you know, I don't know everybody. So so it's certainly out there. Um, Jay Z. Has a has a brand Wiz Khalifa. I think has been more successful. He's got a partnership with True Leaf. Um, I think they're just expanding that into Arizona, which is True Leaf's one of True Leaf's new focus states. So, I, I think it really really depends on whether a lot of it just depends on whether they have credibility with their audience as people who uh enjoy cannabis are interested in cannabis and 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 want to sell it some of them sort of fall flat because they don't i mean it helps to get their name out because it helps with getting the name out because they're they're famous but if there there definitely have been some uh lackluster launches from from what i hear what do you think about houseplant from Seth rogan um i mean i i it gets good reviews. The last I heard about it, it's basically just it's bought from a a, a grow here here in L.A. That's a, a pretty well-known grow and a, a respected grow. Um, so I, I'm sure it's of a, a decent quality. But I, I think the um, it comes with a premium price that maybe you wouldn't have to pay if um, you weren't paying for that association josh you're shaking your head you've got an opinion about this go ahead
2: and share it i know
1: no it's not just, it's not just my opinion it's uh it's all over the place that celebrity cannabis does not sell uh nobody cares and okay. uh, with, with the with the exception of where you're at alex that little microcosm that is la outside of la nobody cares i buy uh, it, yeah. um, it you know, uh, willie nelson had to leave washington um he wasn't selling anything a lot of celebrity brands have had to leave Washington and you just look at the stats behind that. Like, I don't think leaf by Snoop is even a brand that sells in California. I, I'm not sure, but um, uh, you I look heard at of it for a while. Yeah. You look at burner and and burner might be popular. His, his squad of rappers are popular in LA, but nobody knows who burner is. Everyone knows who
0: cookies is. Okay. Well, so, so no- then they're doing that in an effective way. They've made cookies the brand, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, that's the culture and that's why Tilray sucks. That's why Tilray is doing so bad is because they, the soccer moms don't care and they're finding other alternatives. Whereas Berner knew it was about the genetics. He knew that what he had to do was go from the ground up and build a brand around that. And and people like, you know, Brandon Kennedy of, of Tilray says, oh, we're, we're not from cannabis. We don't care and we're a consumer product good and, and we're gonna do great. Okay, well, he just attached himself to a zombie called Hexo. Look at Burner as a brand, but in the, in the middle and everywhere else, nobody cares about like the wrapper at all.
2: Yeah. I know the Burner uh, Cookies actually just opened or is planning to open stores in both London and I believe Barcelona as well, which would make it one of the first legitimate international retail cannabis brands. Uh, that's of course exciting, but you can only maintain that kind of reputation if you're delivering quality product on the back end. And, and,
1: and he's not, I was just in Vegas. I just got back yesterday. I paid $55 for a um, a cookies blunt and it was terrible. So oh, if, yeah. he, if he keeps doing that and he's overpricing his, uh, and it was not the Gen X I've heard of, not the Gen X I'm used to, and I would never buy that again. So I, I, I just bought a, a blunt down the street for $18 for three and a half grams, mm-hmm. not a two gram blunt for $55. So if Cookies thinks they can get away with that long term, they're joking themselves. They need to stick with what they started with. And that's cultivars that people want with phenotypes that people go back for. We have a cookie store
2: here in Detroit on 8 Mile, and it does a uh, little, little bit off 8 Mile. But it does very, very well because it has a solid Michigan grower behind it. One of the things people don't understand is that even if you have a national brand name, each individual state has its own regulations regarding cultivation. You can't take a joint grown in California and sell it in New Mexico or in Michigan or in Arizona. That brand requires each individual state to have its own infrastructure as far as cultivation goes. And not all cultivators can meet that national standard or that, that original Uh, that original love that someone might have had for that first time that they sampled that. And that's really difficult. Alex, even within the state of California, which is one of the largest States that we have, and it's so long as far as a coastline goes, do you see that there's a great degree of variation in product uh, uh, quality, even within different spots of the state from the same brand name?
0: You know, it's funny. I haven't really been anywhere in two years. Um, So, (laughs) so <laughs> so I'm'm not I'm, not I'm not exactly sure about product quality across the state because well I mean I think brands for the most part are all coming from one place within the California most of them have have centralized operations but there's certainly differences in in price and those are sort of changing in in real time i I, I think
2: yeah. Well, that's concerned. Josh, what about you? Uh, you're seeing consistency amongst brands in, in Washington State and elsewhere?
1: No, I'm not seeing consistency anywhere. If you, if you find a really good cultivar or you know, strain that you like, good luck, because it's not going to be around. Um, you know They change all the time. Or the blunt I just mentioned, uh, they haven't had those blunts for at least two months. And I've been asking why. And, and we're speculating that something happened with the farm. So if you don't have, you know, spider mites, mold, blight, whatever, uh, maybe you just don't have that, that particular strain anymore because it didn't sell enough or the, the blue dream you really liked really turned into a green crack somehow through, you know, GMO, process or whatever, um, you know, going from your F1 to, to down the road, it just changes. I don't know, but I don't think there's consistency at all in this industry.
2: You know, Alex, we have a few minutes left here. Can you leave us with a, a happy, wonderful story about California and the things that you've been covering lately on your particular
0: publication? Well, um, you, you know, I think th- there's a lot of talk about how so much of the state, you can't get legal product. And I, I think that is beginning to change. More, more cities you see opening their first stores in places that are lesser known that are smaller cities and, and stuff like that I, I think it's really um, expanding and that access is becoming a little more possible and that that's good because when people have the option they they generally want us and and the tax situation is reasonable they probably want to buy legal product they, they trust it they want it tested and eventually you know it, it'll sort of iron itself out the problem is that It sort of takes too long, but we don't have too many people now who are still drinking bathtub gin. Mm -hmm. That's true. And Josh, anything else
2: you'd
1: like to ask Alex before we wrap this segment up? Yeah, so we talked about ease a little bit and Pelican is a delivery service in Washington State and delivery is not legal. So Pelican is able to do do that somehow, some way. Uh, we saw Weed Maps a few years ago; they were still kind of letting these gray market, medical market uh, rec shops on there. So there's all of these these plays of how of how to be gray market illicit in a regulated marketplace. What I'd like to know is is the um, Maybe the reasoning behind the decrease in the average purchase price within California, it was about $65 during the pandemic because that was the minimum delivery fee. I'm assuming everyone wasn't going out and they were having it delivered and now that's dropping down. Are you also noticing that the average purchase for consumers are dropping from that 65 and it's last month, the average was under $59 per person on average, but the number of times they're going into the store is creeping up into the, the $7 million purchases. So. The consumer behavior, are you noticing that people are spending less, maybe going in more
0: and not utilizing delivery because of the high fees? What's your take, Alex? I'm not not exactly sure, but I I did do a story recently about something that I think is going to be pretty big, uh, direct-to-consumer marketing, where more brands are sort of getting able to set up their own websites and market directly, and they deliver through some of the established delivery services but by doing this brands have an opportunity to really tell convey their story to consumers and not not filtered through a retailer who has different priorities and one of the the things that some of the director some of the brands that have sort of jumped on this trend relatively earlier saying is that they're basket sizes are definitely moving up because these are consumers who are more educated about what they're looking for and will not necessarily just looking for whatever can be delivered in an hour. I think when
2: we recruit Uh, consumers from the unregulated market to the regulated market it helps to push those basket sizes up also because those consumers from the unregulated market have already budgeted money every month in order to devote towards this and they're just looking for the right place to put it as opposed to a soccer mom sort of a person who's hesitant and spends a smaller amount because they're just trying things out listen alex i'd like to thank you very much for joining us today alex halperin editor and publisher of weed week how can people
0: track your publication if they choose to do so sir Yeah. Um, So we have a free newsletter uh, that you can subscribe to at WeedWeek.com. And you can also uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WeedWeek News.
2: Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, Thanks so much. When we come back from our break, uh, actually, I don't know if we're going to break. I think we're just going to bring in Jacques Santucci and Connor Yost, both from Opus Consulting. So hopefully they'll join us very soon. Alex, it was wonderful to speak with you today. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Rick.
1: How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why isn't the endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up-to-date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by
0: joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast, and of course, on PodConnex.